This is Cheryl Stoller, Stoller Parent Coaching, and I'm trying something new. I hope you'll enjoy today's podcast. My producers and creative team are going to be talking to me and asking questions to give you more information about the lovingly setting and holding limits. It's something that is very pivotal to what it is that we as parents give to our children that helps them feel connected while at the same time giving them the limits and security that they need to learn how to function and be in this world. So I'm going to hand it over to Ben and Jessalyn and welcome to this this podcast. Hi, great to be with you. Hi, Cheryl. Thanks Hi, so much ben for, having us, Thanks for today. having us. This is awesome. We're really excited. Thank I'm gonna you. have uh, my name is Ben, and this is my wife Jessalyn. We're gonna be uh, asking some questions and and chatting with Cheryl here. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, I'm gonna have, uh, Jessalyn start, and then I may chime in or whatever. So, Cheryl, we really just want to hear about um, this lovingly setting and holding limits. So, uh, Jessalyn, you had a question to start off with. Yeah. So to start. I just wanted to know, when you say limits, what do you mean by that? What are limits in this context of working with your children and parenting? It's the clarity about what can and cannot be done. So it can be something very small as, um, well, not, not so small. Putting toys away is not so small. <laughs> um, but which, to- which which toys can be played with? Especially those Legos. Those will get you. Right. The Legos <laughs> will away. absolutely get you. Um, which toys can be played with and which toys can't be played with? Not running in the street. Those are, are two kind of extremes. And then during the day of when a child can and can't have our attention by virtue of necessity or whatever yeah, it may be. Um, those those are just examples. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. That's great. So I think you kind of touched on this, but can you elaborate a little bit um, why are limits important? Important for the child and important for the parent. To create safety, both literal and metaphorical and emotional, There are so many inputs that a child, that a person, that our systems are receiving every second. We can't possibly process them all. And some children, I work with parents of whether it's identified or unidentified, gifted or twice exceptional children. And things are intense for this family, these families. Everything is heightened the receptivity to all of the various inputs, et cetera. We need to kind of put some boundaries around these inputs, boundaries around emotions in order for our system to be able to cope. So providing, so that's a form of safety. It's like limiting the amount of stimulus that any one person or system has to deal with. So yeah, that a brain can it's really cope. good. Okay. So for those who aren't familiar, because we don't know who's tuning in, what is twice exceptional? Use that word. And we know because we've been, you know, helping you get that out there. But maybe that's explain, good to explain what is twice exceptional. And then 
maybe we know it, maybe we've heard the word gifted before, but how would you define those two things? I think that's important to um, help people understand what you're saying. Okay. I want to start with gifted and it's, it's such a packed word. It has so many connotations that very few people actually love this word, but it's a shortcut. It's when someone has abilities, sensibilities that go beyond what is expected for someone of a similar age. Yeah, that's good. Kids come into the world already set up to be able to process certain things. And it can be, it's not just cognitive. It's not just whether it's in one of the academic subjects. That's one or intellectual. That's, that's a way of encapsulating it. There's intellectual, there's physical, something more technical term called psychomotor. There's the sensitivity to to all the the five senses. The the term that's used is sensual because it's about the senses, the five senses. That's like, wow, a heightened sense of the beauty of visuals or a heightened sense of smell or taste or hearing. That's a form of giftedness, believe it or not. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And so, I mean, you could even put like um, an Olympic athlete could have a a type of giftedness. You know what I mean? Because it's it's more physical. It doesn't necessarily mean intellectual. That's that's too limited understanding. I like that. Yeah, I I do want to add the the other area so that the listeners can. Sorry, um, go for it. okay, just so our listeners know that it might be about them. (laughs) The imaginational kids who have phenomenal imaginations we might as well that we're projecting out into the future and we see a potential outcome and we're imagining it as if it's real that's our own imaginational quote-unquote giftedness so when kids have that that affects their life it's a really phenomenal gift to have and most people don't think of that as necessarily giftedness, but that can be. There's also emotional giftedness where we are picking up the energy of other people's emotions early, yeah. often, and intensely. Yeah. And you combine that with imaginational, and the the world is really hard because we're we're picking up other people's emotions and we're living it as if it's ours. So that's another area of quote-unquote giftedness um it's it's intense so you have all of these areas of different ways of being gifted and often someone is in more than one of these areas in addition there are flips the flip sides of it um i'm going to give a different example if someone happens to be very visual so that that sensual giftedness of a vision They are very able to create pictures in their mind's eye. Well, those people need time to translate words to pictures and pictures to words. And that leads to slow processing. So it's all in. So the slow processing is a learning difference. So when I talk about twice exceptional, and I think it's actually multi-exceptional, it would be a better term for it. Um, it's on one end of the, the, let's say you're imagining a bell curve. You've got incredible um, 
you're way out on the the right hand side of above the norm, but you're also well below the norm in other ways. So, for example, that visual might be well above the curve for for visual in terms of of translating things into to pictures and well below the curve on processing speed. That person's twice exceptional. Someone who is very conceptual and, and has incredible thinking capabilities and, and putting what seem to be disparate dots together and see big pictures might also be have dyslexia. They have creative ways of thinking and they they have dyslexia kind of part of the same coin that their minds are not linear yeah the way they the way they process the world and life and these visual symbols called letters um it's not linear and it's and it's not confined to tiny little boxes it's way more open i mean literally physically in the brain structures i was recently reading more about dyslexia um literally the brain itself, when brains are put under the MRI, those brains are different. Um, so they have some gifts that come with those differences, and they have some differences. And I do want to say brains are, um, there are terms for it, but basically we can train our brain to learn new skills and, and find other ways to deal with whatever is going on. That's super good stuff. So then is our limits even more important for children and families who are gifted and have these twice or multi-exceptionalities than they are for um, more neurotypical families? Um, I'm smiling and laughing because I, I want to say yes. It's not as if it's more as well as much as because it's important for everyone. Um, so it, it's really hard for me to use that word, even though it's really easy to use that word. It's it's a matter of survival. It's the it's harder, and because it's because it's harder for kids to do it for themselves, it's especially important and needed for the parents to be able to see what what it is that they can do to minimize the not and I, I don't want to use the word minimize as an avoiding so yes avoiding is a place to start to allow their system to to be in a situation where they can handle what it is that what they're confronted with learn skills and then stretch little bit step by step in terms of how do you expand that circle of experience to to expand that limit as they become more skilled at what it is that they need. So it's a yes and. So would you say that there's different types of limits or? Uh, yeah, you can say there's different terminology and used in many places. Um, one that comes to mind off the top of my head is uh, Dr. Shafali Tsipari's uh, sand and stone limits. and. I would like to add, I mean, it pulls on Dr. Ross Green's collaborative problem solving that he uh, created way back when and has been writing and doing lots of work throughout um, in terms of collaborative limits. 
So our clarity, our getting very clear, I don't know if our listeners and if you, when, when you're clear about something, your energy is clean and people know not to mess with you, that it doesn't even make sense to try because we're so clear and non, not triggered. It's not anger. It's not sadness. It's just, this is, yeah, sweetie, it doesn't matter how much you sort of push back on this. I'm just really clear that I'm not moving the car until your seatbelt's on. Yeah. So there's limits that have to do with like safety. They're, they're not negotiable. They're there for the safety of you or the safety of your children. Exactly. And what would be another type of limit? So there, you, there's one that's like, okay, I'm not moving this because it's not safe, but could you explain a different type of limit or what, in what you experienced or what you kind of your paradigm? Okay. So the, I, my brain sometimes doesn't pull up examples really quickly or well. Um, so I'm going to own that, but the, the need for my attention, for example, um, as a parent, I really want to be able to stop what I'm doing and just, just be with you, sweetie. But in order for me to fully be with you, I need to finish this. So I'm going to finish this and then I will be with that, be with you. So maybe it's, it's, it's a limit that has to do with engagement and participation and being fully present for our children. That comes up a lot all day long. And when we haven't taken care of ourselves, given to ourselves the space and time to give ourselves what it is we need, even if it's just a moment's breath, to, to recenter and refuel and call all of our internal resources in to help us be present in the moment, we, we need a minute for that, maybe. Our knowing that that's necessary so we can be fully present is another very important kind of limit that, that people don't talk about. It's a, a limit of taking care of our system so parts of us aren't screaming and tantruming for attention. Yeah, so some limits are there for our children and some limits are there for us. Yes, and one of the key secrets to setting boundaries that work is knowing that we're setting boundaries around ourselves. We're, it's not really that we're setting a boundary around the child. We're setting up the environment to keep the child safe. That child is a separate human being. They are not our puppet. They are not a prisoner. They, they are this autonomous, sovereign being. And when we understand that and factor that into the limit setting, we know that when my child who is exploring the world, trying to figure out who they are, how they use their body, their thoughts, their feel. All of this is so new. The world is new and, and, and there for the exploring. That's their job to, to go like push limits, figure out how to be safe, figure out how to be, seek pleasure. And our job is, okay, when they do X, I know I'm going to do Y. In fact, 
I know I'm going to do Y to set them up so that they can choose wisely for themselves to learn that process. And we start out, I mean, when they're infants and, and very young, it's very closed circuit that we are not leaving them on the top of a, a ledge without a crib, with, with, without some sort of safety net so they don't fall over and bang their head. You know, like we set the environment up. So the limits can be physical, they can be um, emotional, providing the comfort, providing the energy. Um, I know I'm going in many different directions at once, but the energy coming out of our hearts are the energies coming out of our heart. They are what that child picks up. And that in and of itself creates the safe harbor in which they can, their system can calibrate. So our learning how to set limits on ourselves in terms of coping with our own big emotions, coping with the anger that rises, the frustration, the, the helplessness, the whatever it may be that's coming up for us, our calming that, our setting a limit on that for ourselves compassionately, lovingly, like, of course I'm overwhelmed and I'm furious that the child's not wanting to do this, which, which I'm feeling has to get done because of X, Y, and Z. No wonder. It's so understandable. You know what? I'm talking to myself. I know this is hard, but we can get through this. I'm going to take care of this right now. I'm going to cool off my system. I'm going to resettle. I'm going to ground myself. And that process is a form of limit setting. It's not like imprisoning myself and my emotions. It's helping create a boundary around my emotions, seeing them for what they are, helping my body work with it and calibrate, cool down, so then we can then use the whole of us to zoom out and see the big picture. What's this moment calling for for me? to enable my child to do the same, in essence. Be able to acknowledge their feelings. Me help them acknowledge their feelings, cool off their system enough for them to ride the wave of that, ride the wave of the frustration that I'm not letting them hurt themselves or, or, or do things that, are, that we just don't have time for right now. I'm helping them calibrate. And that kind of setting the limit is, is the life skill of how to be with our big emotions. So you had asked earlier about advantages of limits. Why are they necessary? It's, it's how to live, how to be with all these things that, that we are up against. And for the gifted twice exceptional, they happen to be up against things more often, more intensely. And therefore, these things are especially important. And the, the level of compassion and self-care and, and spirit care and giving ourselves the emotional limits and boundaries and compassion and TLC that we need 
is is critical. I really liked your emphasis on, you know, setting limits around ourselves and, you know, the way that affects our children. I think that was really great. Now, I had um, a question. You were talking about, um, you know, sand and stone, the Dr. Shafali, and we talked about limits that are non-negotiable. They're a safety issue, and you're very clear on them. You're not going to change that because somebody's safety is at stake. Are there other limits that are kind of fall more on the other side that they're negotiable or the child gets to have some say in it? Absolutely. Um, actually, when you said the other side, I thought you were going to go to the ones that we can let go. Um, I mentioned Dr. Gross, Gross Green as well. Bucket A, bucket B, bucket C, as well as plan A, plan B, plan C. Those non-negotiables or line in the cement that Dr. Shavali talks about. Um, those are the non-negotiables that we're clear about for safety and we would call out in outside resources to hold that limit. There's also the, and, and we're doing it with love, by the way. I just want to add the part of the reason we're doing this podcast is to help people know about the class I'm giving. This is infused with love. We're clear about the safety is because we love the child and we don't want that child getting hurt. When we're clear. Yeah, that's of, really good. That's yeah, really important. I like that. that. That important, the importance of that love is really key. And there are lots of things, I don't know about you, when you guys were growing up, but when both me growing up and me as a parent, there were so many to-dos I was, I was sort of flinging at my kids nonstop. It's like, oh my God, no wonder when I stopped to think about how many to-dos I am shooting at them. It's like, no wonder they wanted to shut down and run away. So knowing that we get to prioritize and which ones are we going to let go of for now? Doesn't mean forever. What matters now? What's the next step that's really important for them to know how to be in the world with themselves? What, what is my one focus? So letting ourselves figure out what the bucket sees, the ones that we can let go of for now. And one way to help ourselves think that through is what, if we let go of it, would we be creating space and time for more joy and love and connection and, and embracing of living? Which are the little things that we can let go of that absolutely like just create space for for the kind of joy and love that we want to be living in. Those are the ones to let go. Now, everything in between the A and, and C are the the plan B, the bucket B of, of Dr. Ross Green or the the uh, sand limits. It's like what's negotiable? Everything else is negotiable. And depending on where your child is in terms of their um, their need, so for one of my children in particular, a directive was like a frontal assault on identity. So we had to choose the limits really carefully. 
And and at some point it got down to safety was the only criteria for the for the non-negotiables bucket A in the cement limit. And the C's, there were a lot of them, and the B's was negotiable. And and there are different methods of doing that, which is something I'll be going into, uh, pulling on a lot of different resources over the next four months, both in terms of Dr. Green, which I, whom I've already mentioned. Um, there are other different methodologies that I'll pulling be pulling on current research and past uh, foundational research, as well as what what it is that works for these kids that are particularly intense and particularly strong at boundaries and particularly opinionated, maybe currently inflexible. Um, there, there are a lot of things to work with to help in this nego- negotiations. Some of you might have seen the video that I did, uh, it's posted on my website for the introduction to this class, where I talk about different acronyms that I come up with. They're not very... Um, Typical acronyms. They don't have, they're not actual words. One of them being MACA. But they're fun though. That's they're the fun. I thank you that, that you think so. Um, and, and a lot of people do. MACA M is meeting the person where they are. And by the way, we start with ourselves. Meeting ourselves where we are. Acknowledging our autonomy. Communicating confidence in their competence and my competence and being available to myself. Now this draws on a huge amount of research, research, past, current, Desi and Ryan's work, for example. Um, the meeting them where they are is a huge part of this process. I love that. And I really like the framework of the non-negotiable, this is a safety issue, then the, you know, jumping over to bucket C of, you know, we're just going to let this go. And then everything in the middle being negotiable. I feel like that's a really helpful categorization. Um, And then of course we love, we always love what you have to say about uh, MACA there. It's, it's really, really helpful. Um, To wrap up, I wanted to see if you had, you know, I've, I've um, heard you talk about this before, but if you had examples of basically language that works when you're setting limits with your children. The lang- one example is, I love you too much to let you not be buckled. I love you too much. That, that's just where where I stand on this, sweetie. I'm not... The example that actually happened, one was the seat buckling and also at the stage of sitting in the front seat where everybody else, but everybody else gets to sit in the front seat. Like, well, I love you too much to take that chance. I'm I'm not doing that. The I love you too much. The I can't, I can't let you do X. I can let you do Y. So being clear about the I can't and I can. Um, other sentence starters are after then. So instead of if then or when then, after 
then. So after we do this, we'll get to do that. Of course. So that way we get to say, yes, after, after we do X, we'll, we'll do Y. You can do Y. Yeah. It's almost not, it's not a no, it's a, Hey, let's put this in a limit. Let's balance it or whatever you, you know, whatever you got going on. Yeah. So there, there are sentences like that, that we can just sort of make, put as tools in our little toolbox. Um, and I, I suggest to parents practice these without being with your child for a while. Like think about as you go through the day, are you actually giving yourself when thens? Are you actually giving yourself, I can't, but I can. And I don't want to use the word, but I can, I can't do X. I can do Y. So we practice on ourselves, practice outside of the Olympic stadium, you know, <laughs> find the little arenas in which you can practice build up the, that muscle, that brain pathway, that system pathway, so that you can then bring it into the everyday with our children. Yeah, that's fantastic. So Cheryl, just for anyone listening uh, that's interested in the class, can you say, give the information about it, and then uh, we'll let you have the final word, and that, that'll be the end here. So, Okay. So the class is a bi-monthly class that has been running all year. All 2018, and in these last four months, September, October, November, and December, the focus is on lovingly setting and holding limits. So I had opened it up to more people. Um, at this point, the class is full, and I would be more than happy for you to contact me at Cheryl, S-H-E-R-Y-L, at stollerparentcoaching.com, say waiting list for class and let me know that you would like to be included one when I started up again in 2019. Um, so it, it's been running. I'm sorry that at this point I can't um, have more because it's really important that everybody who's in the class is really getting the full benefit of integrating what it is that we're learning and making it work in their systems, being the place to, to practice in essence and so that we can then they can then take it to their homes and use this in the ways that it really shifts the trajectory of the family dynamic and, and life. Um, so at this point, enjoy enjoy the videos, enjoy the podcast, and please reach out to me that yes, you'd be interested in uh, doing this next year. All right, thanks. Great job. And uh, thanks for all your input on limits. That was awesome. I think it's super helpful for everyone to get a hold of. Thank you. It was very fun. Love to everybody. I mean, really accessing the love for yourselves. You will then more be able to remember that you love this child who's pushing a limit in front of you <laughs> and lovingly know that it's love behind the limits and then the energy from you, they will be feeling your love as the context for those limits. Mm -hmm.